You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to another edition of the Halloween Call Podcast. Alongside Mike Patrick, I'm Jared Sandler. All right, Mike, uh, we are inside of a month away from the end of the season. The Rangers, as we speak, currently two games back of a wild card coming up. A doubleheader split with the Braves. And I guess we did zero show prep here because I'm on the road and you're in the studio. But uh, I'm going to nominate Cole Hamels as our first subject of discussion. That you can you can go whichever direction you'd like. But, okay. Uh, another, I mean, I guess it was like a Martin Perez-type performance. He had five. <laughs> Yeah, good innings and then one really bad inning. But unfortunately, out of Cole Hamels, you expect better than that. And the five innings that he allowed in the second inning ended up doing the Rangers in. And it's just, it's kind of frustrating, I guess, because of our expectations for Cole Hamels. But maybe our expectations are off because it's really been a while since he's been closer to the Cole Hamels that his reputation suggests he should be. No, you're right, because now it's been four out of five starts have been bad starts or below average starts. Uh, And yesterday wasn't, like you said, horrible. Uh, He pitched six innings, but it wasn't good either. And I'm just – I'm surprised how he's aging. I thought he would age better than this. I I didn't think that he would have such command problems. uh, And he's not close to 40 either. I'm just – I'm surprised. I thought he would be one of those guys, and I know the Rangers banked on when they traded for him, that he would be a guy throughout this contract would be a pretty uh, solid starter where you could argue he's still a number one starter on a team. And I, I just don't think he is anymore. I'm I'm kind of down on him too, Jared. I look at him going in now into 2018 as kind of a number three starting pitcher in a rotation. And I, I it's it's the thing is that he got hurt last year and so you thought, well, this year the injury stunk, but maybe he won't have as bad as an August-September as he did last year because he'll be more fresh. But he's repeating the same thing. Yeah, it, it seems like the fastball control and command is eluded him. And it, I don't know. I, I'm curious what your thoughts here are of this. I, I just don't see, and, and maybe dominance is not the right word, but I don't see an impact changeup like I feel like I used to see with Cole Hamels. No, you're right. It was there for about three starts, and, and I can't remember the exact time frame. I believe it was pretty soon after the All-Star break where I thought, okay, he's redefining himself. This is who he has to be. He has to be more of a fastball changeup guy, fastball command with a good changeup, and then mix in the breaking ball. Uh, but that that only happened for about – Four starts this whole season. And so I can't say that's who he is if he's had, I don't know how many starts off the top of my head, you know, approximately 20 starts, and he's had four that I've been impressed with. Now, I guess yesterday could have been a whole lot different had it was an Elvis would have received that throw from Cole Hamels cleanly in the second inning on the bunt. I know 
Cole was charged with the error. I don't think that was Cole's error. I, I feel like that should have been charged to Elvis on a missed catch. But I guess it would have been a whole lot different there. And, and maybe the frustrating part of yesterday is that with the walk and the hit batter to begin the inning, the error that inning, and then the Rangers going over nine with runners in scoring position and losing by a run, it seems like, or it seems like they could have won that game. They would have been a game back in the wild card, two games back, certainly not insurmountable, but they got a big test ahead of them this weekend with the New York Yankees in town. By my estimation, one of two teams that are unequivocally better than the Rangers left on the schedule. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say that the Angels are a bad team because they're in the same conversation. The Rangers are vying for a playoff spot, and the Mariners are a step first, step and a half behind. But I don't, I don't look at the Angels, and I don't look at the Mariners and say, yeah, this team is better than the Rangers. I do think the Yankees are better. I do think the Astros are better. So I think this is a big weekend. Um, and I guess we can get to that in a second. But, uh, all right, so I, I, I brought up Cole Hamels. We're kind of doing this a little differently this uh, this week. So what do you want to talk about? What's uh, what's first up on your list? Well, I'll mention Elvis Andrus since you mentioned him and just what a transformation of a player. Uh, this usually doesn't happen. I, I feel like at this age uh, when you get into your late 20s, uh, you've somewhat defined yourself. You can have a career year. But I feel like, Jared, that this is who Elvis is going to be. Now, I'm excited about that, and I want him to be a Ranger for a lot longer. But I believe he's playing himself out of this contract at this point. Now, that's you can kind of go there if you want. But do you believe, my first question to you is, because I do, do you believe now that you have a guy that's going to be 15 to 20 home runs plus the about 300 batting average for the next three to five years? You know, I was I was thinking about that yesterday because MLB Network showed a you know a basic graph of Elvis's home run progression, and I remember growing up when I would do fantasy baseball drafts, I'd always be a little cautious of the guy who just had the one outlier year, and I would try and stay away from those guys. And Elvis absolutely fits that category, but I I kind of think he's going to be more of this guy. You know, I don't know whether he's going to hit 20 home runs again. He might. You know, he, he might not. But I do think, you know, you just throw the number 15. I do think he's, for the next handful of years, a uh, 15 home run or so a year guy uh, who probably collects close to 60 extra base hits uh, and is a middle-of-the-order caliber bat, whether or not he's positioned in the middle of the order or not. I don't think he's a guy you have to stick in the 7th, 8th, or ninth spot like he was really for 15 and – Several years before, uh, he used to be an old-fashioned number two hitter. Now we have number two hitters like Mike Trout, who are obviously MVP caliber hitters, not the small ball back control guys that used to be Elvis. Uh, so I, I think I think we have, and, and I guess the reason why is it's not just this year; it's the second half of last year, and it seems like there are. There are legitimate differences and legitimate changes that he's made to lead to this. And it's huge. It's huge for the Rangers. But I have the same concerns you do about whether or not Elvis will opt out when he's got the opportunity. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's, he's certainly outplaying his contract. You know, even, even with his numbers last year, which he hit eight home runs and, you know, hit around 300, he was playing probably a Above the value of his contract, 
So if you consider that and then take a look at how much better he's performing this year, he's way above value. And it, that's going to be interesting. That's definitely an interesting storyline to follow in the coming years, whether or not Elvis stops out. He's got two opportunities. Correct me if I'm wrong. One after next year and one after the year following. I believe so, I believe you're right. And then I also believe that he will opt out, but I believe he'll be a Texas Ranger. I think with the Rangers' new stadium coming, trying to uh, you know add season ticket holders and keep season ticket holders, uh, Beltre, I don't think, will play at the new stadium. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to happen as he won't be in Major League Baseball by that point. Elvis, I just think you need some guys uh, when you're opening a new stadium and you want sweet money and you want big time, uh, uh, whatever those seat licenses are called, uh, money that PSL. Yes, that Elvis needs to be on the team. I just that's my opinion, and I think the Rangers will look at that in multiple ways. That yes, he's a good player. Uh, we'd like to keep him, but then also we need to sell tickets and and keep the ticket base that we have heading into uh, the new stadium. Hey, Mike, yeah, I know you've been around several players who could probably fit this story arc, but a lot of, and myself included, we talk about how, well, along with some of the physical differences, Elvis getting married or getting engaged and, and learning that he was going to become a dad and now becoming a dad has helped. Uh maybe increase the focus and the commitment to work because now all of a sudden he's got real-life responsibilities uh, and people for whom he's responsible for. I feel like sometimes that might be one of those plus storylines that people like to talk about because it's, you know, it's got a human interest side to it. But I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't – I think it exists because for some guys, I think it actually could be the case. But, I, I mean, you've been around players who – have had the same opportunity to, you know, take a step forward in their career because they got married and because they became a dad. I, I don't know. Do you roll your eyes at that, or do you think there's anything legitimate to it? No, I think there's something legitimate to it. It doesn't work out for every player, but when you're a single guy like Elvis was and possibly chasing tail till about 3 or 4 a.m. Uh, in the morning and then, you know, doing whatever happens after chasing tail uh, until the sun comes up, uh, and then getting in a, a good nap or, you know, then your night's rest, which isn't a great night's rest, and playing. Uh, sometimes you can somewhat get away with that in your early 20s and still be a decent to – and some guys are still great players, being able to be party guys and, and doing all the things I just kind of laid out. But I think for a guy like Elvis, who is a talented player but not more talented than most Major League Baseball players, he's a very talented Major League Baseball player, that him settling down, uh, having a wife, having a child, I think has helped out his lifestyle and that uh, the attention to detail uh, is more on baseball than it would be on other things in life. All right, so you bring up Elvis. I want to bring up another guy uh, about whom I have questions for what he will be in the future. I Do, do you know who I, I'm going to bring up? Mm, Nomar Mazzara. No, no, but he's a good one. Robinson Trinos. Okay. So, Mikey, the, the the Yankees come to town. Gary Sanchez has had an outstanding year offensively. Maybe the best offensive catcher in Major League Baseball this year. But among all catchers with 200 or more bats, no one has a higher OPS than Robinson Trinos in Major League Baseball. All right. Now, he's he hasn't been a, he's not a qualifier. So, you know, that shows that he hasn't been a full-time player all year, and Rangers fans know that 
Obviously, Jonathan Lucroy got a lot of at-bats early on. Uh, but 200 at-bats is enough to where you're like, okay, this, this is enough to characterize a guy's season. He has not just been good for a catcher offensively. He has been really good offensively. His OPS is near 900. He's reached base now in 22 straight games. He's in his early 30s. I don't think people realize that because, uh, you know, it's not like he's been a major league baseball player for 10 years, but he had a late in his career position switch to catcher. Uh, he's one of these late bloomer types. I don't know that Robinson Trinos is a 900 OPS guy moving forward, but I do kind of wonder what is he offensively moving forward? Is this going to be an outlier season? Or is Robinson Chirinos going to be about an 800 OPS? We'll take 100 points off his OPS, which is a significant amount. But is he going to be an 800-a-year OPS guy for the next two to three years? I will say no, but he will be somebody that bets eighth or ninth in your lineup for the next two years as your starting catcher. And uh, I'm okay with that. I think he'll be able to pop you, it looks like, you know, close to 15 home runs. And, uh, you know, the OPS eight hundred. I, you know, if I if I mark it down to seven fifty, I'm I'm still okay with that. Are you okay with that? Well, yeah. So it's, uh, you know, that's an interesting number because this season, I think, as of two nights ago, seven fifty one was the league average. Yeah, and I think so, he'll be league average there. Yeah. So that's that's about that. The one thing that's impressed me is the walkability. He's he's starting to draw walks. I think he actually had a streak, which was snapped yesterday at six straight games. Having drawn a walk, uh, I, I think his the second game of the doubleheader ended that streak. But you know that that's what's impressed me because I've always believed that guys who walk are guys who are able to have sustainable productibility. Maybe not uh, or production, not uh, not necessarily always in the, the power department, but they're going to get on base for you. And for a guy who is likely going to hit eighth or ninth in your lineup, if he can maintain it on base. And, and get on base around 34, 35% of the time. And that's a heck of a, that's a heck of a guy to have in your eighth or ninth spot. No, yeah, I'm with you. And then, you know, I'm okay with Brett Nicholas being the backup catcher next year. Uh, I know yeah. that's, that's maybe, you know, a hot take after just seeing him for two to four weeks or so and not really playing that much. But I've come to the conclusion after what the Rangers traded to get Jonathan LaCroix and the what the can, catcher position has become in Major League Baseball, and that is if you're a really good hitter, they got to get you out of the catcher's position as quickly as possible, it seems like nowadays, uh, and start you know moving you kind of towards first base or some other some other deal to keep that, yeah, that bat in the lineup and, and keep the, the production of your hitting uh, available. I'm fine with guys like Chirinos and Nicholas uh, sharing the position uh, because that Jonathan LaCroix trade is going to end up being one of the worst trades, I believe, for the Texas Rangers. And I was I was for it when it happened. But yeah, I think now, we both were. Yeah, now that it's played out and I see, uh, you know, what Jonathan LaCroix is, uh, who he is, um, then you know, I just I'll just go with guys that I feel like, hey, that's a good guy. He's good defensively. If he bats two ten and hits seven home runs, you know what? As long as the rest of my lineup is doing its job, I'll live with him not being good offensively and uh, being good defensively. And Chirinos isn't a bad uh, offensive player, as we've already discussed. So you've seen Jose Trevino as uh, uh, as have I this year, and a lot of people believe that he might 
have a shot to be the backup catcher next year and skip AAA. Ugh, uh, I do don't like. I don't like that with young guys. If he was okay. twenty seven, uh, if he was a guy out of college and he had caught five years in the minor leagues, uh, I would be. You know what? Okay, you know he's probably just a backup catcher. But I think with Trevino, I would like to give him all of next year in the minor leagues at AAA because he needs to improve his hitting. He needs to improve uh, some of his defense and game calling. That just comes with experience and more games. I don't want to give up on him being the starting catcher for the Texas Rangers in 2020. And I know that seems a long way away when we're in 2017, but you know, I just don't want to give that up yet. And I think you give that up by putting him in a backup catcher's role next year and, and kind of stopping his development as an everyday player. So I love Brett Nicholas, and it's, it's, you know, I think it's a nice asset that he's a left-handed bat. So, uh, you know, Robinson Trinos is in that setup and probably get the lion's share of the at-bat. Yeah, we got our Mike Stanley and Gino Petrolli, man. Okay, so you like that combo. I, I would wonder, I would at least like to explore the free agent market for a defensive-minded backup. Okay. Uh, and, and that would be my only, my only issue with the Trinos-Nicholas combo. I will say this, though, if you go and add a defensive-minded backup, like a Carlos Ruiz or someone, just, you know, somebody fits that yeah. that mold, then all of a sudden I think this organization's got really good catcher depth. They've got a guy who's their starting catcher in Torino's who you're happy with. You've got a, then a, a defensive-minded backup. You've got Brett Nicholas and Jose Trevino then waiting if, if the opportunity presents itself for those guys to come up. I'll tell you what, that's not a bad name because we've talked about Cole Hamill's struggles and how I might see him next year as kind of a number three starting pitcher in Major League Baseball. I don't think it's just the catcher. It's it's 95% Cole Hamill's just deteriorating as a starting pitcher. But if you brought in Carlos Ruiz, that's his guy. And he was one of my guys in 2005 in AAA. Him and A.J. Hinch were my catchers, and I loved throwing to Carlos Ruiz. I know that will be now 13 years ago going into next season. But it's not a bad idea to bring in Carlos Ruiz and maybe feel like, could we get Cole Hamels to be closer to the Philadelphia Phillies pitcher and that 2015 Texas Ranger pitcher uh, with Carlos Ruiz catching 75% of his starts? Yeah, no, that'd be interesting. And I, I don't, uh, off the top of my head, I don't know Carlos Reese's contract status, but I'm in the car, so I can't look it I'm up. I'm sure but. he's a one. I mean, just at his age yeah. and, and what he's been doing recently, because he doesn't give you much offensively. I will say this uh, for Brett Nicholas, he's better defensively than Jonathan LaCroix. Jonathan LaCroix, I, I'm picking on him because he picked on the Texas Rangers too. So there's a little bit in me that says, hey, I'm going to pick on you now that you picked on us. Uh, he was one of the most disappointing defensive catchers uh, I've seen in a while. It was, I think it was disappointing because he had the reputation of yeah. being elite defensively. But I, I, I think Jonathan Lucroy washes Brett Nicholas away defensively. Brett Nicholas, to me, is, is not very strong defensively. Um, certainly not in the catching and throwing department. Uh, so well, I thought I at times Jonathan LaCroix was wearing a frying pan as his uh, catcher's gear, and it just pop yeah. off that thing and bounce a long way, and I thought his arm was pretty weak. I was just yeah. I was surprised, but maybe to your point, Jared, maybe it's because my expectations were I was told he was good defensively, and I was like, eh, yeah. he ain't good well, defensively. No, no, we weren't told he was good defensively. Yeah. We were told he was great defensively. Yeah. We just didn't see that. But uh, I, I do still think he's better than Brett Nichols defensively. Okay. Um, all right, what do you got? Oh, shoot, Jared, let me ask you this. 
if the Rangers are going to actually pull this off, and they're close uh, about getting the wild card, to me, they desperately need Matt Bush back to pitch the seventh or eighth inning because right now, uh, Claudio is he's the only guy I feel comfortable with. And I know there's guys that are getting the job done, kind of. Is there an update on Matt Bush being able to help this team out the rest of the season? Yeah, there. You know, the hope is that he can throw off a mound this weekend, and you know, he's passed all the concussion stuff. It's now the knee stuff that's uh, that's getting in the way. So, you know, he's probably a week and change away if he's able to throw off a mound this weekend. Uh, now, Keone Kelly, who I know that you're not incredibly high on his availability, and understandably so, but Keone Kella has a chance of pitching this weekend. And I would say that they need one of those two back. And if they want to miss, okay. So I think if the Rangers want to make the playoffs, they need one of those two back. If they want to win a series, they need both of those guys back. Now, I think we both agree that when Keone Keller is on the mound, he's a really good pitcher. The knock on him is that he's just not available to be on the mound enough. Right. But maybe over this three-week stretch, it's a, it's a small enough window where the Rangers are, you know, three weeks, what, 21 days. How many games do we have left? We've got 23 games left. You know, if Keone Keller can be available for 14 of those 23 games. Oh, man, you're optimistic. Um, I'll take it. I will say when Keone Keller comes back, if you if you care about Keone Kella, as in I want to keep him for a long time as a Ranger, and I'm not in that camp, then I have to put him on a college schedule. And I know you can't do this in the major leagues, but I would say in 2018, I know we're talking about 2017, but even now, I can only pitch him on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, one of those three days. And then I can pitch him on Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, only one of those days, and I cannot pitch him on Wednesday and Thursday because his arm will almost fall off if I do that to him. And then Sunday's an automatic day off no matter what. Just don't even touch a baseball because your arm is so fragile that I would just have them kind of on a college schedule where you pitch Tuesday an inning in your non-conference game and then pitch one of the Friday, Saturday, or Sunday's game in your conference game. And I know you can't do that in the major leagues, but you know, to me that's the way God made his arm. He didn't make his arm uh, available for 14 out of 23 games. He made it available for 6 out of 23 games. Yeah, well... I hope you're wrong. Obviously, the the lack of availability suggests that the Rangers have some interesting decisions to make with Keone Keller moving forward. Uh, because, you know, you can maybe get away with having a guy like that on your roster in September with 40 men or up to 40 men, uh, you know, both ends and the double digits in terms of available arms. But it's tough to have a guy like that on your 25-man yeah. roster. Especially with, a big, especially with a big role. Yeah, yeah. especially with a big role. But I do think that the Rangers need those guys uh, if they yeah. win a series. Because the way I see you know, some people have asked, well, okay, if the Rangers make the playoffs, what do you expect them to do? And obviously expectations are not for them to win a series. They would be significant underdogs, I'd imagine, in a series against the Astros. And if they beat the Yankees in a wild card game, they would likely play the Astros. And if they didn't, it would be the Indians uh, with the way the Indians are playing. But the way I could see the Rangers win a series it would be the same way the Indians won uh, two series in advance of the World Series last year, and that's by having an incredibly short leash with your starting rotation because you just don't have guys who you can rely on to, to carry you, and you you use your bullpen for about five innings a game, and you just you ride those guys, and you need all hands on deck for that. You need Diekman and Barnett and Claudio and Bush and Kella, and hell, you probably need Ricardo Rodriguez to 
put on his big boy pants and, and be a part of that mix. And that's how I see the Rangers winning a series is by riding the bullpen and having the bullpen end up pitching more innings than the rotation. So, Jared, now that we are a week later, last week I said, you know, the end of the podcast, would the Rangers make the playoffs, the wild card? Now we're a week later. What's your answer? Well, so my answer last week was that they would miss by – it would be the, the next team in. Uh, you know, I, I thought the Rangers would finish essentially third in the wild card race. So the Yankees finishing first and uh, – who did I have? I had Baltimore finishing second. I, I'm not as sold on Baltimore necessarily finishing second. Uh, I do like what the Angels did in acquiring – Justin Upton and uh, and what's his face uh, Brandon Phillips, mm. more so Upton than Phillips. What's his face? But uh, I still think the Rangers are the next team in, and even so with Beltre injury, even with Beltre's injury, I still think that they're the next team in. Okay. Uh, I really like what they're doing offensively. I know that yesterday they they had a lot of missed opportunities, but they also are, are consistently getting lots of base runners offensively. Uh, I guess the Mazzara thing is is interesting. Mazzara left last yeah. week's game with a strained quad. You know, if he's out two to three weeks, well, that's another middle-of-the-order bat you're missing. And I don't necessarily think Mazzara is – like, I, I think there are three guys who are better than Mazzara offensively or more important. But with Beltre gone, you can't just keep losing these bats. So I would still say next team in. What about you? I'm going to stick with what I uh, said as uh, two teams are going to make it and then there'll be another two teams in front of the Texas Rangers. Which is kind of what it is right now, right? Yes, I just I think with the uh, Beltray injury uh, and then Matt Bush, uh, you know, still struggling to come back, I, just, I think the bullpen is really weak. Uh, Claudio's been really good. The Deakman story's been really awesome and he's been good since he's come back. But I, I just... I can't see this team, and maybe it's because I watch them every day and don't watch all these other teams they're competing against with fatal flaws too because the Rangers have fatal flaws on this team when I think of playoff baseball. But they're in the mix. They can do it. Uh, They have the opportunity to do it. I just think because of Beltre, because of the bullpen, uh, because Cole Hamels doesn't really give you quality starts when he goes out there, I just can't see them getting hot the last uh, 20-something games of the season. All right, a few uh, a few things here. Uh, when is the next time we can readdress the Andrew Kashner free agency? Because we talked about it last week, and I don't know that we need to go into it again. But I mean, that that definitely is a really interesting topic of conversation because the Rangers need starting pitchers, and Andrew Kashner is that guy who is going to get paid, and you're not quite sure whether or not you want to be the team to pay him. If you feel like you are competing next year, then I pay him. And I know okay. it'll be at least a three-year contract. I maybe it might even be four. You know, the free agency is kind of everything changes because uh, James Shields a few years ago got a contract. I was like, what in the world? Uh, and then last year, you saw guys that were in their early thirties uh, struggle to get long-term contracts if they weren't considered super studs. Uh, right. So. I don't know how the market is going to play out for Kashner, but if you are trying to win the division or win a playoff spot in 2018, I think he has to be a guy you re-sign. All right, here's a, a wacky question. And you can assume Andrew Kashner plays for the Rangers or any team. Who has a better year in 2018? Andrew Kashner, Cole Hamels, or Martin Perez? Ooh, good question. 
I will rank it the way I rank it today. Kashner, Perez, Hamels. Really? Yeah. And what percentage chance do you give Perez at being the number one on that list? I will say out of percentages, I will go 40, 35, 25. Did my math work out? Uh, it did, yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, good. That was the one thing I was really concerned with there. Uh, but 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 I feel like um, it's going to be kind of close. Uh, but Perez, is, if he can finish off this September uh, the way he has August, then I might change my mind at the end of the season and say, dude, that was two months. And he's, yeah. you know, for me, uh, he hasn't put together two good months in a long time. So, yeah, and that's crazy because if I would have asked you that question three, four weeks ago, you would have given Martin Perez zero chance. Yeah, I would have oh, said it was, it was, okay, it was yeah. very low. Yeah. I would say, look, my, my stance on him uh, in July, a little bit after the All-Star break, was pick up his option next year because – it's it makes Need sense starters. to pick it up and then and then release them, give them seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, and give them a thumbs up and tell them good luck the next year. Yeah. But now uh, he's starting to mature on the mound. He's starting to figure it out on the mound. He's starting to get out of situations when there's actually runners on base that he seems to not totally crater in that inning. And um, I'm positive on him right now, or optimistic that he's going to keep doing that uh, on a consistent basis. Yeah, and soon he starts the opener tomorrow night against the Yankees. I believe Montsegaro Tanaka is on the mound, so uh, that'll be fun. It'll definitely be a good challenge for him. And something we're going to have to talk about again, I think we, we brought this up uh, one of our last uh, or most recent episodes, but Judge versus Gallo. I mean, it's unbelievable how much better Joey Gallo's been here in the second half than Aaron Judge. And we've talked about what Gallo can do on the bases, and defensively it's better than Judge, and I think we both agree we would take Gallo over Judge moving forward, right? We had that conversation. We did. I agree, but it's definitely not a slam dunk. It's a no, it's a really think about it, and uh, it's it's a tough decision. But right now, I would lean towards Gallo. I'm so excited on his improvement as a player this year. Yeah, no, me too. All right, so I have a, I have a question for you, Mike, and I hate to keep looking towards 2018 because we've got you know a, a team that's fighting for the playoffs here, but. You know, I do think I, I've become more optimistic about the Rangers' 2018 chances over the last month. And, right. uh, you know, I, I don't know that they're going to be the favorite to win the AL West because the Astros are going to be really good. But I do think that the Rangers, especially with the mediocrity of the American League this year, are going to have a really good chance to make the playoffs. I think they will have a better team next year than they have this year. Uh, but they do have a really interesting offseason ahead, and, Part of the reason why I think they're going to have a better team is because I think they've got some trade chips here. And, you know, we've talked about this before. At the, the left, left field, right field, DH, first base spots, they've got Mazzara, Gallo, The Shields, Calhoun, Sue, possibly Otani. And I think I'm missing someone who just is slipping my mind right now. Uh, and they've got. They've got way more players than they do spots. And I think that because of that, the Rangers have the ability or have the the potential to make a move, make an exciting move in the trade market. But a lot of a lot of this all to me depends on the line of the shield. So I think one of the big Rangers decisions this offseason is who is your center fielder? And the line of the shields is on a 
unequivocally proven that he deserves to get, if not every day at bats, the majority of at bats in a platoon. I mean, this guy is dynamic when he is in your I mean, The team is better when he's in the lineup, and he's dynamic on the bases, and he's proven that he is capable of hitting major league pitching. He's not a power hitter. He's not going to ever be a sexy OPS guy, but I mean, hell, the guy is uh, is getting on base at a really high rate, and we know that when Delino's on base, it's way more valuable than when a guy like Nomar Mazzara's on base. If Delino could play center field, even without the arm, if he was really good at going and getting everything in the area, Delino would be a big contract guy when he hits free agency. But he's not able to do that, and so he doesn't really have the ability to play center. And I just... He, he, to me, is a big mystery. Like, what is his role with this mm. team? Because if you put him in center, that's fine. But then you're probably going to have a really bad outfield defense again. And we've seen how much that's haunted the Rangers this year. Yeah, I'm with you. I think his ultimate role in Major League Baseball will be a fourth outfielder because of his defense. Uh, now, I guess, you know... Well, I, well, can I ask you a cool question? Is, is that his role on this team? Because I... If you stick him on a team with... A, a really good center fielder, I can see the line of the shields as your everyday left fielder. I, I think he can be an everyday player. I just don't think he can be an everyday center fielder. Well, let me, let's do this uh, real quick. It's a podcast. We don't have to have a time limit here. Uh, put him on the Houston Astros. Is he one of their three starting outfielders? Okay, but I would know, but they have a really good outfielder. Okay, then uh, let's put him on the LA Angels. Is he their starting left fielder? That's the best outfield in Major League Baseball offensively. So okay. No, I mean, that's Kraut, uh, Calhoun, and, and Mavis. Uh, Mariners. Kraut, Calhoun, and Upton. But I'll tell you what. Hey, I'll tell you what, Mike. Before, uh, okay, let's go. To, let's Give me another team. Oakland. Let's go Oakland. Yes, he starts at Oakland. Okay. He starts in Seattle. Okay. He start, I mean, you know, but not, not in center right field, top, right? No, no team would put him in center field. But left field, there would be some teams. In no case, yeah, in no case do I want him playing center field. The only way I'd want him playing center field is if I had George Springer and Josh Reddick on either <laughs> yeah. side of him. Yeah. And, you know, I have the two best corner outfielders. But I do think of the 30 major league teams, the line of the shields could start in left field on, I'll say, 14 of them. Off the top of my head, just a, a rough guess. I'd yeah. say 14. Yeah, and I would say 10. Okay. That's interesting. I, I, maybe uh, tomorrow I'll go through and, and actually give you a real number of what okay. I would do here. All right. Uh, but I, and I, zero, for me, zero for center field. Maybe one, the Rangers. But Well, yeah, I mean, I, at least I'd say that no team would necessarily begin an offseason saying the Linos are center fielder. We don't need to make any improvements there. Yeah. So, I mean, who's the odd man out here? Because Willie Calhoun seems to be a left fielder only. No more Mazzara can play both. Shin Chu is a right fielder only. He's a DH. The line of the shields is a left fielder and then I guess center field. Shohei Otani would be a DH. In my opinion, Joey Gallo should be a corner outfielder because I think he actually could be a really good corner outfielder. So what the heck are you doing here? Mm. I would say the guy that's going to bring you back some really good value <clears throat> is Nomar Mazzara. Yeah, I agree. And so I would – I'm not saying I'm trading him, but I'm looking to see if I can move him for a piece that I need and also some someone that I know that I'm going to have control over for three years or so. You know, I'd love for it to be a starting pitcher. 
but yeah. I, I don't know if you can – I don't know what Mazzara's value is to get what kind of quality starting pitcher. Well, I definitely think you could be a part of a package. I don't know that Nomar Mazzara on his own gets you Chris Archer or gets you Garrett Cole, but I do think – and, you know, maybe the Rangers aren't even targeting those two specific guys, but those are, you know, top-of-the-rotation type pitchers. Uh, I think Nomar Mazzara can – a part of a package that doesn't have to be incredibly lucrative beyond him. I don't think it needs to be Nobar Mazzara and your top prospect, but I do think Nobar Mazzara can have a package that gets you a starting pitcher. Yeah, and that's where we go back and you could have Lewis Brinson. You know, yeah, everything's, Lewis Brinson. everything's solved. Uh, but you can't go back. It was a, it was a trade go, at the yeah. time. You're trying to win the World Series, and LaCroix looked like he could really help you do that. And, uh, it didn't work out last year, as in the team success didn't work out, and it it just backfired this year because Lacroix became a at best average starting catcher in Major League Baseball. Hey, Mike, I want to ask you one quick thing. Unless you have anything else you want to bring up? Nope, nothing. Okay, so I, I, I'm sure you've been asked this a lot. I've been asked this a lot over the last 48 hours. But Derek Holland was released, yeah, or, or placed on release waivers by the White Sox. My thought is he signs a minor league deal this off season, and he comes back, and the team that signs him says, hey, we'll sign you to a minor league deal. We want you to try try your luck as a reliever. Uh, you know, your, your days as a starter are probably behind you. That's my guess. Uh, you know, as far as whether or not he can be a really effective reliever, whether it's a lefty specialist or otherwise, I'm not positive. Uh, you know, I, I certainly hope so because Derek was healthy this year, and I think that's the best thing that uh, he has going for him right now is that for the first time in a while, he was able to make every start uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, I don't see him coming back to the Rangers. I, I see him going to a different organization. I see him uh, trying to reinvent himself as a reliever. I'm I'm with you 100. Um, percent I you know as a Derek Holland friend fan, you know I'd like to see him in spring training with the Rangers, competing for you know one of the back end of the bullpen spots. But I I understand where the Rangers have moved on, moved forward, and. Uh, Derek will probably need to find another team to compete for one of those spots. All right, Mikey, I appreciate it. All right, man, have a safe trip. Thank you. There's uh, Mike Bassett. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Bassett. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Sandler J. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Halloween Column podcast. We'll be next. We'll be back next week right here on 105.3thefan.com.